Hello and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren and I'm joined by a man whose little photo is permanently up on my home office wall these days. That's, uh, that's Stuart Watson beamed into my home via a laptop. How are you, Stuart? I'm fine, thank you. Do you want a, do you want a little um, photo for your wallet as well? Just to carry around. I've I've got I've got one of those. You're my you're my bubble buddy. We're in this little unofficial Ipswich Town bubble together. But I've got a nice little photo of us on the wall wearing wearing some Ipswich kits during that kit launch a couple of years ago. You and I, number six, number twelve, the lads. <laughs> that feels like a very long time ago now. Yeah, it it really does. Um, life in so many ways was. That bit more cheerful, wasn't it? Both football and otherwise. And yes, we are here to talk about the defeat to Hull, which um, we obviously looked ahead to on Monday. We were hoping that it was going to be better um, than the performance put in against Shrewsbury. Uh, I was slightly more optimistic than you, Stu. Um, and we all know what's come to pass. They've, they've lost 3-0. It's another game against a promotion contender that has gone the wrong way. And... Um, it's all feeling pretty gloomy again, isn't it? I don't know. Are you are you are you feeling gloomy about all of this this morning still, or have you managed to shake any of it off? Um, I'm feeling a bit fed up with it all, to be honest. Um, it feels just like history on a, on a on a cycle repeating a little bit. We you know we've reported on this club for for a long time now, and it just feels like it's sort of backward steps. You, know, you just after little brief periods of hope, it it, it kind of keeps going backwards, and it's it's hard to it's hard to look upon the next few weeks with with much optimism at the moment because it does feel like last season repeating again at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, and that was always, that was always the worry, wasn't it? There were there were bright signs at the beginning of the season in the in the the summer, the late summer, as it turned into be. To being um I don't know about you it just feels like they've all just drifted away and it, the questions that we wanted this team to answer and that we saw signs that they might be about to answer it's got to the real crunch points which are games against Sunderland obviously some refereeing mitigation there and then this game against Hull and they just can't seem to handle these big games can they it it it, it just feels like it, it's been like that for for so long um I, I in hindsight, I felt like I was kidding myself with maybe a little bit of, of positivity going into it. But I don't know. It's it's hard not to let let this get get you down when this is what we're doing all day, every day, and and invested in. I've, this is turning into a bit of a, a therapy session, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it's how I feel about it. It's yeah. it's, it's sad. And I hear you, brother. I'm the same. Yeah. It's um it is hard and you know I, I hope I really dearly hope that Paul Lambert doesn't go down the route of some people want us to fail type stuff that he came out with last season when when some of the pessimism kind of started to flare up because we all desperately desperately want this club to do well of course we do whether it's the fans whether it's us as as the media that are so heavily invested in it, we cover them home and away. We travel up and down the country. We think and talk and write about them every day. Of course, we want them to do well. We just want something 
upbeat and optimistic and positive to report on, but it's you can't ignore the fact that there is that it's now three wins from the last nine games. The other six have all been defeats. Okay, there's been cup competitions in there and changes of teams, but good sides, sides with designs on promotion, don't lose six times in nine games. It doesn't it doesn't happen. The three wins have all been pretty unconvincing in there as well. The same theme is happening again. They can beat the lesser sides. They're coming up short against not even the top, top sides in the division. It's like the top eight, nine, ten mm. teams in there. You know, if you've got any any genuine ambitions of going up, uh, the record is... It, you can say there was a major caveat last night and that a lot of big players are missing now. Arguably half of what would be your strongest starting eleven with, with Vincent Young, Downs, Bishop... Um, who else have we got in there? Uh, Guion, uh, Edwards. Guion Edwards. Dizel. Dizel, yeah, your entire midfield. So there's no getting away from that. But this last night wasn't a one-off, was it? You know, it happened last season. You can't say it's... It happened when there was fans in the, in the ground. It's happening while there's fans not in the ground. It's happened with injuries. It's happened without injuries. So th- there seems to be a fundamental psychological block there. Um, and as soon as that goal went in after... One minute, 40 seconds yesterday. Did you really, truly ever believe that Ipswich would have a route back into that game? Well, that's that's how I felt in the game against Shrewsbury at the weekend. I think I, I turned to you when when that goal went in and I, I felt hugely pessimistic about it happening in that game. And we both laughed when both goals went in for, for town at the weekend. When Firstly, when Keenan Bennett's crossed flashed into his own net by the the defender and then when the late winner and and yeah when when you go go behind so early it's it's really worrying how little belief there is that that the team can come back and win i remember when i was a i I don't talk often about um sort of my experiences as as an ipswich fan probably because the mood around the club now is so different to to when i was following the, the club as a younger a younger man that they basically may as well be different clubs. But I remember, I remember genuinely under the management of, of George Burley and, and Joe Royal. I don't know if this is me just talking as, as a youngster, an optimistic youngster, but there was a genuine belief that those two managers could come up with something. It was, which have gone behind, but you know what, this is, you know, I, George Burley, Joe Royal, one of these two at half time, something's going to change drastically and it's, it can flip. And it did at times. And, I don't feel that with with this team that there's that there's any kind of switch to flick to suddenly turn into a t- turn a game on its head having performed poorly make a, a make a change and go up that gear and take the game by the scruff of the neck and I don't feel that about this team at the moment and that's maybe made me a bit nostalgic mm. and a bit and a bit sad but that's that's how I feel about about this team at the moment, and and it's and it's worrying because in the last two games they've given themselves so much work to do in the inside the first five minutes of of the two games. I, I think some of the the optimism we were trying to generate in those first few weeks of the season was perhaps a little bit forced and manufactured on on our behalf. There was a sense that. At the start of every season, it's only fair that you you wipe the slate clean and um, 
park what's happened before and let's see what can happen this time around. And I, I really liked the idea of lessons having been learnt from last year and that, you know, there was going to be an identity now and um, all of that. But in the back of my mind, it all, I, there was always a concern that it would become... The, the the hope was that it was going to improve as time went on. That instead, of, that that they would learn to play the system and become more fluid at it, and in game know when to do certain things and not. But it just feels so robotic to me at the moment, and, and that's summed up by the the warm up where they do their shape work. Um, fans obviously aren't seeing that at the moment, but they they literally line up as the starting eleven on the pitch, sort of over what a. a of the pit, so very condensed starting eleven, and it's a quite a, it's a very repetitive drill. And we've heard from the players that training is is very repetitive. And Lambert's talked about. I'm sure it bores the players, but we need to drill it into them the patterns of play. And it's it literally is goalkeeper passes it to centre half, centre half pops it into the holding midfielder. They knock it wide, wide player crosses it, and then the striker ridiculously just has to wallop the ball into an empty goal <laughs> and and then that gets repeated dozens of times over they're just going through the motions and and then how can you expect if that's the if that, if that's the way they train how can you expect them to make their own decisions in game where games games change you, you know we've just said that two two goals conceded early changes the whole dynamic of a game it changes the way the opposition sets up that's when you need players to be able to individually and collectively think on their feet and if they're being told by the manager that you have to keep playing this way it's it's just painfully painfully mm. predictable to me and it's been clear that as time has gone on the opposition has, has wised up how to play against Ipswich. Yeah it's easy predictability is easy to stop isn't it if you're if um if you're sticking so so rigidly to a pattern of play it's not it's not rocket science how to stop that if you're even like during a warm up kind of telegraphing what the move is then logic suggests that not too far down the line opposition are going to work out okay well this is what Ipswich want to do in this situation let's let's stop them doing it but it's almost one extreme to the other isn't it from last season where we were we were seeing chopping and changing between formations and and things like that it's now gone to um now gone to this so rigidly and we may we we haven't talked about the nuts and bolts of this game particularly, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. But the thing that worried me most last night was perhaps Lambert's comments after the game, talking about his side being useless with two up front and how that simply isn't a possibility. And it just seriously worries me that there there is no plan B. Um, there has to be a plan B. And yes, we were all calling for a more more of an identity. But an identity that you don't have to be wedded to a complete nuts and bolts of an of an identity. You, you, it's an identity is kind of a philosophy, a, a an ideal. But this feels like a feels like the shackles are on it. There has to be a plan B because because there's, there's just, there just has to be. And and if it, if that plan B can't possibly involve two strikers being on the pitch at the same time because none of them are, are suited to doing it, that 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 really worries me. Mm. Yeah, worries me as well. Um, I just I didn't really understand midway through that second half, 2-0 two, two down. Um, 
Hull were looking the side more likely to score. There was a long, long conversation between Lambert, Stuart Taylor, Matt Gill in the technical area. Taylor's looking at his notepad. Matt Gill's tapping away at some sort of iPad. And you're thinking, what are they going to come up with here? And then it's just a couple of like-for-like like changes. Same system. And then Lambert comes out afterwards and basically says, well, no, I never considered going with two up front because if we go with two up front, effectively saying we have left bodies in midfield and then we can't dominate the ball. They didn't need to dominate the ball at 2-0 down. They needed to create a bit of chaos, do something that was unexpected, that something because, you know, Hull were, were coping quite comfortably with what was being thrown at them at that stage. So, I mean, we, we've gone quite heavily into tactics and plan B and stuff like that, and we'll, we'll probably come on to Lambert in a minute. But I do think sometimes when these conversations do get players off the hook as well, and the bottom line is whether the players are playing for Lambert, or however you want to say it, subconsciously, consciously, have uh, not got a bit of an edge because of relationships with managers, all things like that. Surely players, these players, we keep saying, whether it was overstated how good this squad was, that they were going to be far too good for League One, I think we've all come to the realisation that it's not nowhere near as good a squad as the vast majority of us hoped or believed. But they're still better than this. They're still better than a mid-table side. And good players just aren't doing it. Good, good players. Perhaps, yeah. Players aren't doing it at the moment um, all over the pitch. So many unforced errors. The goals, all three goals were were very much preventable. Um, misplaced passes. I mean, I don't know if you've seen back, there was a passage of play that was shared on on Twitter last night, which looked even worse than I remembered it at the time, where Alan Judge has the ball in the top left corner flag. Attempts a cross that goes about 30 yards behind everybody, leaves... Bennett's scampering backwards. He just about recovers the ball on the on the right-hand touchline. Then he plays a really awful blind backwards pass that gets intercepted. Then their guy blazes past Wolfenden for pace and, and Holy makes a stop at the near post. And it was that that little passage of play summed up Ipswich in a nutshell. Mm. There's so many unforced errors. There's no confidence there. There's no belief there. And it feels like we've seen this before. Yeah, it's for me. It's the for me. It's the senior players that are that are worrying me. Um, the ones that you would really hope can take games by the scruff of the neck. Obviously, some of them have dropped dropped out of the team due to injuries. But Chambers Chambers has been as consistent as they've been really in in terms of the team this season. But even even him, I, I'd want to feel like he's taking these games by the scruff of the neck as the captain and driving his team onwards. That's not been there in the last couple of games. Alan Judge, I thought, was slightly better last night than he was at the weekend, but we've talked about him so much on not delivering on quite what we were hoping from him. As, you, as you've mentioned, there are plenty of players like that. Freddie Sears, obviously, is the latest to join the injury list. He's a, he's a championship-level football player that has previously been a championship level football player that's been in the second tier for quite some time. Also obviously been in the Premier League with West Ham. Doesn't feel like he's 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 impacting these games. Even Stephen Ward, I think his impact on games has has lessened since he's come back from that Achilles injury. And that's that's left a, a pressure on on young the younger players to kind of step up and, and try and do that, which we've we've seen some of them try and do, but 
then there there are comments made about them as well. That the one sort of bright bright light, bright in inverted commas light from last night for me was James Norwood. I know both of us have been been keen to see more of him, and I think he made a difference in that final third. I think he I think he he was a threat, not necessarily as much to the whole goal as you would want. But he was a threat. He made those whole defenders think and react and that's one very rare bright spot for me from last night yeah he looked like the James Norwood of old didn't he it was I know people were disappointed and surprised that he got taken off in in the 75th minute I can I can kind of see that they don't want to break him because he's he's going to be so important to them and not only was that only his second start competitive start of the season it was only his seventh competitive start this calendar year and we're, we're now nearly into December. So um, I can understand why perhaps they were wrapping him in cotton wool. But he, he was he was lively. He was a pest. He was uh, he occupied centre-backs all game. He ran the channels. Um, he, yeah, he sniffed out a few chances. So that, that was the one sort of rare bright spot from the game. But going back to Lambert's comments, it does feel like the young players are easy targets. I've said that in, you know, I said that after the weekend um, with the comments that he made about Brett McGavin. Again, yesterday, the one player that he singled out by name for making a individual error that can't be legislated for was Jack Lancaster, who did give the ball away too many times, but he wasn't alone last night. He wasn't the only one I've just mentioned about, sort of Judge and Bennett and plenty of others. But it just feels like, and you know, again, it was like yeah, some of these younger players need to get out of development mode. They need to know what it what it means to play senior football. And I, I just think, you know, you've you met, you reeled off some of those senior players there. You know that they should be the ones that are. You accept there's going to be highs and lows with young players. We should be expecting more from the, from the the senior guys. And um. For all the injuries, Ipswich have got. That's why they've got this ridiculously big squad. That's what this should be the time where we're reaping the rewards of that. It's still Emir Hughes, who was meant to be too good for League One. It's still Freddie Sears, who's mm. who's played a lot of Championship football. It's still Alan Judge, who was an international footballer only last season. These are the guys that we should be expecting more from by their own previously high set standards. And when we talk about leadership, it's not just shouting and hollering. It's leading by example. It's, you know, wanting the ball. It's not being, it's being brave enough to keep, you know, maybe going against what the manager's told you to do, using your experience to know that we've got to try something different in this game. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I I get a sense with this side that all of them are are waiting for somebody else to, to take things by the scruff of the neck, waiting for somebody else to do it rather than taking responsibility themselves. So do you think that's an individual? Is that down to an individual or do you think that's a culture thing? I don't... Surely these surely these players at times have been able to, to do that in games. But how has it come to a point where you've got that many, that much senior experience in there, but none of, none of them are... None of them are ready to kind of stick their hand up? Is it, is it fear? Do you think there's a fear that's developed over... Over several years, it feels like that to me that that it's kind of a just a, a downtrodden feeling of of Ipswich Town feels like a downtrodden football team and scared to kind of put your neck above above that. That's how it feels to me because I refuse to believe that 
in an isolated situation that these these players aren't capable of of sticking their hand up and delivering. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how it's kind of grinding us down over over the months and years, and for those for those senior players that have been about a little bit longer, maybe maybe kind of the everything that's gone on has kind of left a bit of a a feeling in the air that's affecting them in the same way that it's affecting everybody else. And may, maybe it's time for sort of a, a full freshen up of, of this squad. It's, it's virtually the same squad as last season. Um, we hoped that the kind of the, the limited squad churn over the summer would, would play into Ipswich's hands, whereas everyone else pretty much had to rip up their teams because of COVID and release loads of players and, getting completely new teams. I mean, look at Lincoln. Lincoln have got virtually an entirely new starting eleven, and it's done them the world of good. And, and it feels a little bit like that's what's going to be required for Ipswich going forwards, that mm. I just can't see this current group suddenly getting a, a lease of, of new life uh, where they are at no. the moment. And, and obviously, a lot of those senior players we've discussed uh, are going to be out of contract um, in the summer. So... Um, we shall see. Yeah, it does. It does feel that way. Both both a crucial season for the club and for each of those players as individuals, really, because where they go next is going to be really, really tightly. Whether it is stay here or go elsewhere, tracks that's going to be tightly linked to to how they perform on the pitch and how Ipswich how Ipswich Town perform. But maybe, pitch, maybe that's it? in maybe that's in the back of their minds as well that they know that someone like people like Judge and Hughes and people like that probably know that you're out of contract. You, Whatever contract you're going to get next is going to be nowhere near what you've been getting over the last few years because of the salary cap. These are players now that aren't realistically going to have championship interest. So you're going to get another deal on the salary cap average or on a much reduced terms at Ipswich or the same elsewhere, probably mm. at a similar sort of level. So, Maybe that's dawning on on a few of them as well. Maybe it's the maybe it's the whole sort of COVID fatigue that in in real life as human beings is probably all dragging us all down a little bit as well. But yeah, we hope that that can kind of be separated and that football can be a bit of a release for for them from that. We don't know what's happening with different people personally, do we? Behind the scenes, but it's it's not happening for them at the at the moment, and uh, it it pains me to say it, but um, it's hard to look ahead with with too much optimism mm. at the moment which i think outsiders would wouldn't be able to get their heads around if they looked at you know you'd won six out of six home league games leading into last night you were third in the table still in the top six but you'd ha you have to have lived this for not just the last few weeks but the last few months and years to kind mm. of to get it i think yeah you get you get that quite often don't you you, you see managerial changes when oh my that they're fifth, they're three points off the top, and they've sat their manager. But and then you would hear the same from other fan bases in that scenario. Well, you 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 don't know, you weren't there, man. And it's and it, but that is true, isn't it? Everything's got its own circumstances. It's got its own weight of history hanging around, and it's got its and it's got its own needs going forward. Um, you mentioned it in your in your piece you wrote that went up this morning. Um, sort of regarding parallels with a, a 
a game against Hull at Portman Road that ended 3-0 under Mick McCarthy in, in, in 2018. And I think the crowd would have been the same, wouldn't it? Last night, had there been supporters in the stadium, I think Lambert and his players would have been left in no doubt what what the supporters think of, of where of where yeah. the club's at at the moment, wouldn't they? Very similarly well, it, to that whole going, game. It was going that way before the the COVID break, wasn't it, in March with the the Fleetwood game on the, was that the Tuesday night game against Fleetwood where the big centre-half was just, Suter was just heading it away to ironic cheers and then lost to Coventry after that. And there was a sense that the mood, sometimes you can just feel the mood turning inside football grounds. And and I think we'd be back in that place now. I think we, there would have probably been yeah. a, a bit of broad support. I'll talk about the sort of the restart and people might have parked any doubts that they had tried to get themselves believing at the start of this season, but those doubts would be bubbling to the surface again now. And I think the Shrewsbury game probably would have would have turned it up a notch at the weekend. And I think within, you know, with last night would have been a con- uh, continuation of that as well. And um, from what I gather, Marcus Evans has always put the greatest stock in judging the mood and what he hears inside a ground because they're the people that are giving up their time and money to the team. So if it, you know it was the attendances dropping drastically that probably had its biggest effect on him making any decision over Mick McCarthy, um, and it was the noise inside the ground uh, that has kind of that has always been what he's what he's taken his his cue from. But he, he obviously hasn't got that that now. So it's going to be um, it's going to be very interesting. Mm. Yeah, we'll get on to we'll get on to Lambert in a minute. We'll we'll throw in some few tweets from the KOA army as well. But just before we leave the game behind, Stuart, just can we just talk about Keenan Bennett's for a moment? Because a very, I'm trying to pick the right word to use it here. Um, a strange performance from him last night because for for me anyway, it was strange because if you're talking about bright moments. He had a fair few of them. Sort of, he he put a ball through the legs of Richie Smallwood, didn't he? And had a had a shot on goal. He had some. He was positive. He's he looks to make something happen when he gets to the ball. But if you were inside the ground and listening to both the bench and teammates and their reaction to him for for certainly in the first half of this game, um, there were a few people pulling their hair out, weren't there? Which just in terms of his decision-making, mainly regarding his positioning. And Lambert shouted out once, is you, Keenan? And Chambers Chambers looked perplexed by some of the, the decisions that he was making as well. And I just wanted to know what you what you made of, of him because he's a troubling, a troubling one for me because, yes, you do want that creativity on the pitch, but also moments where he, he put his team in trouble. Mm. Yeah, this is sort of debate we've had around wide players and uh, Mick McCarthy and people like Burson Salina that fans love the the stepovers and the direct running and the trickery and there's always a clamour to see more of them and managers sometimes see the defensive frailties more and I thought Keenan Bennett's looked a player most likely to make something happen for Ipswich both in an attacking and defensive sense you know he could equally have created or scored a goal as he could have played his part in in giving away one as well and he's he's that sort of player and again we're talking about 
a young player with raw edges that you're going to have to kind of put up with a little bit of that. But he's he's not an Ipswich player, and you think, Armando is Armando Dobra any different to that? He's a player that can that has got some frailties. He's a bit hot headed. He might get the odd red card. He might do some silly things. He might be a bit too greedy at times. He, but he can also produce a moment of magic and beat people. And I just think if you're going to put up with the pros and cons of a certain player like that, you might as well do it for the one that's in-house and had a bit of interest from Premier League clubs not that long ago. And instead, you've stuck him on a five-hour coach journey to Bristol to play for the under-23s. I mean, where where's his head going to be at at the moment? That With the, the first-team squad completely decimated by injuries... He still can't get into an 18-man squad there. And that, to me, feels like Lambert's gone out of his way to to make a point to a player that turned down the chance to go out on loan, which Lambert clearly wasn't happy about. Instead of looking on the positives of him wanting to stay and believe in his own ability and fight for his place, that felt a little bit cutting off your nose to spite your face Mm. to me because he had three strikers on that bench. Hawkins and Jackson were always going to be the two that, that got on first. Drynan's only had a couple of training sessions back from injury. Why why not have Dobber on the bench and, and wait for Drynan to be fully fit another day? It's, that didn't make sense to me. Mm. And, and well, it kind of it kind of proved that its point in in the first half when Freddie Sears went off because that meant Jack Lancaster had to come on after half an hour. And, and at that point, what's left on the bench? Three strikers, a left back. A centre back and a goalkeeper. You've got you've got nothing really for the wide areas there after that point, and and nothing for the centre midfield. I'm not saying that Dobra is a a true centre midfielder, but he is at least a player capable of playing in that number ten position centrally and and wide as well. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. That's um that's a slightly a slightly baffling slightly baffling decision to me, but it just it does feel like there's a point being made to Dobra. Um, whether that changes in January, whether you know, whether whether Armando reassesses, actually, maybe I do want, maybe I do want to go out on loan because I, I don't want to be playing in Bristol on a Tuesday lunchtime at a training ground for the under twenty threes, and because uh, it's clear I'm not going to get. A sh- but for me, I'd, I would applaud a young player wanting to stay and fight for a for a first team place. I je- I, I really would, um, particularly one who's had a taste of it like that before, and it is not not unrealistic at a time when there's so many injuries as well. Um, and it sounds like these injuries aren't going away because obviously Freddie's Freddie's the latest one. And then it doesn't sound like there's any of the other injured players likely to return for Saturday. Um, bar Andre Dezel, obviously, who's been suspended. So they're, they're not going away. Um, we'll move on to Paul Lambert just in a moment. But I'm going to just refresh my page here and read out a few thoughts uh, from our dear, listen- dear listeners. Thanks, so yeah, what have you? Do you want to, have you got one? Or... I'll just read them out in order as I see them. Uh, let's have a little look. The mailbag appeal. Joe Fares, friend of the show. He was crowned, he, wasn't he, on the live he, one? He's uh, he's La Decima. La Decima. Joe, uh, do you think it's likely Evans pulls the trigger in the upcoming weeks? Lambert is a shell of the man that came in two years ago. There seems very little chance of things changing. Um. Yeah, we'll take that. Take that in a minute. Do you want to take some more? Yeah, yeah. That, that, I'll be honest, mate. They're all they're all on a theme. Luke Penning. I'm I'm sorry. I have no faith in Lambert. Get him out while we still can. You'll struggle to convince me otherwise. I see myself going towards Danny Cowley, uh, David David Flisher. If if anything, I think things are worse than last year. Three wins from nine, including 
Bear wins over Shrewsbury crew. Gillingham, stagnant squad, no energy, no cushion for that downturn. With Lambert, we're looking at mid-table success. Lewis Mitchell, Lambert snookered himself. He can't divert from a 4-3-3 system for a second time, even though we clearly don't have the personnel to play it. We don't have flying fullbacks, a sweeper, or enough pace to play high enough up the pitch. It's all depressing elementary stuff. They're all on this theme, aren't they, Stu? Have you got, uh-huh. got another one? Steve Mellon, who is normally one of these supporters that tries to look on the bright side as much as possible. And I think people like him are starting to uh, to voice their concerns. Is always a decent gauge of where things are at. He says, I've been giving Lambert some leeway based on noises coming out of the club about work behind the scenes to develop a style and bring the academy teams closer to the first team training, etc. Something we've badly needed. Has that been exaggerated? Yeah. So, uh, and Rob, Rob Hughes... Uh, I still believe we have a squad capable of promotion, but I think they have lost complete confidence that the manager knows what he's doing. And he's also destroying their own confidence in their abilities with man management style. Can't see things improving with Lambert. Hmm. Yeah. For all... me, it's, it's a series of, of contradictions with Lambert because one minute he's been talking about, you know, loans are akin to throwing your money in the street and we need to get away from that. And now we've got sort of, Bennett's and McGuinness, who we hoped would be, you know, valuable loan additions, but from what from what we've seen so far, are they are they just blocking the progress of people like Do- Dobber and Andaba? I don't know. So there's a con- contradiction there. In one breath, he's telling his players, "Oh, you need to take risks on the pitch," and then in the next breath, he's telling them, well, "You can't give the ball away, and you can't, you know." So I just think it's confusing to us when we try and unpick these these press conferences. So it must be confusing to to the players as well. It's um... mm. Yeah. Uh, on the first point there about the low knee, the low knees blocking players, I, I think I'd probably fall down on the side of yes. Yes, they are. Certainly in Bennett's case, I would have, I'd have had Dobra in and around things developing there. Um, I think we spoke about central defenders quite some weeks ago, almost soon after McGuinness signed. And my fear was that, it would end up with a, a pairing of Wolfenden and McGuinness, which is one that I wasn't hugely keen on from the from the very beginning. Um, I, I am struggling to see. Obviously, he's injured at the moment. Um, what what James Wilson has really has really done wrong. Um, I think having the two the two younger lads in the middle of the, the defence, they're both hugely talented. Clearly, we've seen from McGuinness that there are some attributes there that are to suggest that he's. He's got a real career ahead of him at a good level of football, clearly. But it's not going to be with Ipswich. He's not going to be here beyond beyond the end of the year. Um, I would want a senior head in the middle of that defence alongside Luke Wolfenden. That's what that's what I would have. I'd have I'd have had Wolfenden and Wilson in there from the beginning, and that would have been the bedrock of the team. Um, so yes, from a, I, I would say. I would say there's a there's a blocking situation going on there. It's maybe clouding things a little bit much. Hmm. Should we move on? Should we talk about Paul Lambert? Because it's clearly it's clearly a bit of a, a tide turning. Um, there are those that have obviously been been um, clear in their own minds for quite some time that they didn't think that Paul was going to be the man to make this happen. But it does it does feel like a few more people are 
beginning to subscribe to that, having having seen what's played out on the pitch this season. And for me, that's that's down to the fact that they it, it just looks like it's going the same way as last season, isn't it? That's 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 the reason for for a, a, a tide turning that that questions haven't been answered, and the preseason the preseason optimism that you spoke about earlier just hasn't hasn't materialised. Is that fair? Yeah, I can't sum up everybody's feelings because everyone will be different but personally I said it earlier in this pod that I was I was prepared to kind of park any of the frustrations concerns doubts about the way last season unfolded and and treat this one as a new one and the noises we heard about the, all the tough love stuff behind the scenes and uh, we said, didn't we, very early on, this could go one of two ways. It will either it will either breathe some new life into the squad, and uh, and get them going, and the new system will work, and and everything will, will be will kick on, or or it could all unravel quite quickly. And um, I think the last few weeks have increasingly said to shown to me that the the latter scenario is is far more likely at, at the moment, and. Um, yeah, real sort of. You just get a sense in the air sometimes when when the mood is is properly turned. And as I said, even even the most sort of optimistic and uh, glass half full fans seem to be sort of tipping over the edge in in the last after the last few performances. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I'm I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing the fight that I expected to see from from Lambert himself. What, what have you made of of Paul Paul's kind of demeanour? There's been some snipes um, as we talked about on Monday in in certain press conferences and things like that. But I expected there to be more more of a burning more of a burning within him to get to make this work. It that's what I'm that's what I'm not seeing. Mm. Both from him and the players, in fact. But but if we're yeah. talking about Lambert specifically, um, he was louder last night, wasn't he? Than he than he has been in the last couple in terms yeah. of on on the bench. But I felt like he was putting a bit of a show on in the technical area yesterday for me. You know, prowling up and down the edge of it and barking orders at complete chalk and cheese from from Saturday when uh, he was pretty subdued. Um, yeah. Those, or, those orders amount to pass the ball, don't they? That's that's just, and, and some instructions for Keane and Bennett. It's, it's it's very those, those that barking of orders is is all about continuing to pass, pass, pass. Keep the ball, keep moving yeah. it, keep doing what you're doing. It's that it's that sort of vibe, isn't it? Um, mm. uh, I don't know. He made a comment the other day where you know whenever he's asked about sort of pressure, it always comes back to you know. I've, I've been at big clubs. I, I, I deal. I'm, I'm fine with pressure. I've dealt with pressure before. And he sort of made the comment about I'm, I'm happy with, I'm happy with my life the other day or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's an, that was an interesting one. It was almost a throwaway kind of comment, wasn't yeah. it? Kind of, kind of. I'm, I'm happy, and I, I you know, I, I, res, I respect the, you know, he has dealt with real pressure throughout his football career and I and I think it could be a real positive that he doesn't allow that to get to him and and he doesn't allow that to to influence him particularly but I would but what I would hope is that it would drive him and I don't know if I don't know if he's feeling enough pressure that is one thing to kind of 
be able to handle it. It's another to to kind of use it. And I don't I think, think I'd... surprised by the general mood whenever there's kind of fed back to him in interviews afterwards that, you know, are people right to be concerned and, you know, do your team need to be better? I think that takes him back a little bit. And again, we talked about Evans not having a crowd to kind of take a sort of judge the mood. I don't think, I, don't, I think, I think Lambert himself has perhaps underestimating how people are seeing these performances when he can, you know, he's obviously seeing the game very differently to the vast majority that, that are watching it. And that's where you're going to get this kind of disconnect between we're playing football wise. It's incredible and keep doing what we're doing. Um, is really at odds to, to what other people are seeing. And, um, but without anyone in the crowd to kind of mm. hear those, those moans and groans and sighs and urges of, encouragement and frustration there's there's none of that for anyone to take their their cue from is there no no but all the, all this being said though from what we're from what we're hearing there's no there's no sign of any kind of imminent imminent change and imminent well there's certainly pressure on on him to and the team to deliver of course there is that doesn't amount to any kind of job on the line in the next game kind of deal that's not that's not how it's sounding to us is it no uh no not certainly sort of there's nothing feeling like imminent at the moment but I think that could change very quickly I look at these next few games and it's you know if we get the same again against Charlton on Saturday which is not an ideal fixture to be following up from Tuesday and then it's Oxford away and then it's a long trip to Plymouth who who are going well then it's Portsmouth who are up there and you if they were to lose three of those four games, something like that, and the and we've still and the performances of, of bringing up the same question marks, then I think it might be a little bit different. I I don't think the five year contract is it would be that preventable to Marcus Evans making a change. I think anything finance. I'm sure there's well there are there will be get out clauses or things that doesn't mean that you're suddenly paying up four years of a contract in there. Um, and I think Marcus would have to weigh up with the salary cap, with everything else, you know, offset what the cost of kind of a promotion being away, what how what that would cost the the club potentially in the long run as well. So yes, he's been a, a he's been an owner that has been very patient with managers. Some would say sort of too patient. He gives them more time than most, but I think he's also proven that when the time comes. He's also prepared to to be ruthless as well. We saw that with, yeah. with Paul Hurst, obviously, um, and Keane and Jewel and others as well. So, um, and also yeah. and also prepared to put in so kind of the groundwork to what comes next before that decision ultimately gets made. That's that's happened before. Clearly, we saw that with Lambert's appointment that that Hurst Hurst went the morning after that Leeds game, and then the, the following day, Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert was in, so we're not going to be in a situation where, if any decision does get made, there's then a two-week hunt. I wouldn't have thought that that doesn't seem to be Marcus's style, but um, no. but like you say, um, that's one for maybe a few a few games down the track. But this was a period of games that we looked at when the fixtures came out, weren't they? As being the the true test. Um, we looked at them, saw the relative kind start, and then. 
then the promotion contenders began to come onto the radar and, and that would be a period that would probably make or break their season. And I, and I think that's still the case, isn't it? Starting with Charlton this weekend, we talked about getting a reaction from the performance, at least, from the Shrewsbury game into this whole game. While it was maybe slightly better performance, I don't think you'd call that a reaction. It really needs a reaction now, doesn't it, for, for, for the visit of Charlton? Yeah, not conceding inside three or four minutes would would help to start with. Mm. Um, I mean, the timing of goals does does change the narrative of games, and uh, the second on half time was was a, an absolute body blow. Because between those two first half goals last night, I actually thought Ipswich played okay without without going overboard about it. I thought that they moved. It was better than Shrewsbury. They 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 moved the ball quicker. There was a bit more urgency and zip about them. I thought the possession was higher up the pitch rather than sort of on the edge of their own box. But it wasn't ever the sort of knock, knock, knocking on the door. Here we go. There's a goal coming here. You get you always get that feeling in a ground, don't you? That, that right. This is our little five ten minute spell. Mm. You know, if we can if we can get a goal here. This is our moment that we need to capitalise on. Ipswich had Ipswich little five-minute spells were never really led to sort of um, you know Lambert talked about oh, uh, we had balls flashing across the box and stuff like that. They they didn't they didn't they had a they had a header Hughes had a header saved at a corner. Um, we had the Bennett's chance, but yeah, there was no sporadic pressure. There wasn't sorry any sustained pressure was there, and that's what I would like to see. But more more than anything, they need to stop these silly goals at the back because all three of them were were poor goals to concede. And if you give the better teams a head start like that, then um, then it makes it very difficult. Yeah, I think it's going to be the exact exact same case this weekend. Charlton um, are sixth, directly below Ipswich. Um, they lost last night four two at Burton. But just looking down their squad list, it's packed with players that we've seen at Portman Road before in the Championship, isn't it? There's Ben Amos, Chris Gunter, Adam Matthews, Gil, Alex Gilby, Andrew Shinney, Darren Prattley, Marcus Madison, Ben Watson, Omar Bogle, Johnny Williams. Dare I say it? Um, Chuck Zaniki, Connor Washington. That these are proper proper football players who have been there and and done it. And after some early season trouble off off the pitch, Charlton. Last night, aside, have kind of managed to get get going under Lee Bowyer, haven't they? So um, certainly not the game, not the game Paul Lambert will have wanted necessarily no. at this point. No, I think they went on a six-game winning streak at one stage, didn't they? And uh, kept a lot. I think five successive clean sheets during that run. They've beaten Portsmouth away. They've beaten Fleetwood. Um, those t- those players that you've just reeled off are, like you say, just uh, experienced players, still of a decent age, many of them. Um, but they've, you know, they've dropped points in their last two games. Drew one one at Gillingham, lost four two at Burton last night. I don't know the full tale behind that that game and and what happened, but um, I don't know. Is it beware the wounded animal that uh, you know a decent side that are going to be wanting to respond themselves coming to a to an Ipswich side that are perhaps a little low on confidence and, and belief at the moment doesn't seem like a great recipe for me. But um, live in hope as always. And yeah, and... yeah, yeah. It's the hope that kills you, mate. Um, 
we normally do predictions on this, but it's Wednesday lunchtime and we're, we're still uh, we're still deep in the post mortem. I can't bring myself to bring a prediction for this Charlton game. I don't I don't know about you, but in in slightly more positive news, well, much more positive news. Just to finish, this is it looks for all the world like this is going to be the final behind closed doors game at Portman Road with um with the next game Portsmouth at home on December the 12th likely to have um have supporters present which which is a massive boost for for both for for the club to be able to welcome some fans back and for 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 supporters who have been desperately desperately missing their football over the last 9 months due so It'll be nice to nice to have some people back in the ground again, replacing the cardboard cutouts. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the dynamics like. If it's like two, two or four thousand people, what all spaced out, what sort of atmosphere that creates. Whether you're going to hear a lot more individual voices shouting, if if the mood is as, as it is at the moment, what sort of choice phrases are, are, are chucked around, or whether it just feels sort of really flat. I don't, I don't know, but. Um, it's great. It's a step in the right direction, isn't it? It's we've not enjoyed covering these behind closed doors games. They're they're surreal. They're flat. They're, it just doesn't feel right, and it hasn't felt right so far. So, um, yeah, can't can't wait to uh, have some supporters back mm. in the ground. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting, isn't it? Because people are gonna be people are gonna be so spread out around a thirty thousand seater stadium. Obviously, we don't know. Whether that's going to be four thousand or two thousand, the basically the government are going to decide that based on the the tier system, and then then it's down to how do you how do you work out of your season ticket holders, which there were nine thousand review renewed. I'm sure I'm sure a few have completely understandably stopped maybe stopped paying those direct debits and aren't season ticket holders anymore. I'm sure there are plenty of those as well. But either way, there's going to be uh, you know there's going to be some kind of ballot to make this work, and then like you say, how how vocal are those people going to be? Paul Lambert's going to have kind of potluck as to who's going to be <laughs> sat sat behind his bench um, for for games. That might be the golden ticket for some people who would normally be sat in the in the north stand, but actually uh, are positioned uh, <laughs> positioned quite close to the bench. Um, yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting, isn't it? I'm sure people uh, there's talk of discouraging singing and and shouting and it's going to be very very different but it is that that little step towards that little step towards normality which um, mm. which which can't come soon enough because football it's been pretty miserable hasn't it like walking to the like obviously we are there to work and we feel privileged to have been allowed to to be there um when so many thousand people around the country would have loved to have been present to watch their teams but turning up at an empty ground is miserable and sitting there in a Empty ground is miserable. They blare out the 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 wide range of music before kick off, and then all of a sudden that stops and it's silent for a minute. It's 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 pretty miserable, isn't it? So it would be so good to, yeah. to have some people back. And even though we've been talk, we're talking fairly sort of pessimistically today. You still think, you know, up at Blackpool, what an away day that that would have been a four-one win, and everyone had, you know, a few of them making a a journey up there to the seaside for the weekend and. The last minute winner against Shrewsbury, the noise that a 97th minute winner generates. And um, fans are football. And with it, without them, it, it feels like a, a pale, pale imitation of, of the game that we, we know and love. Um, and I hope that this period without them has um, made those within the game um, 
perhaps take supporters a little less for granted going forwards. I hope so. That seems like a lovely way to end what has been a a 50 minute group therapy session for myself, <laughs> for myself and Stuart. Uh, um, so thank you. Thank you all for listening. Um, hope, uh, hope we uh, didn't, didn't bore you too much with getting so much off our chest, but um, thanks for listening. Subscribe, tell your mates, get everyone involved um, and, and come back next time, which should be next week. And you never know, we might even be able to talk about a victory and find a few more positive things to talk about. But until then, uh, we'll, we'll leave you to it and we'll see you after the weekend. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.